0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Wells Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Turn with me, if, if you would, in your Bibles to John, oh, excuse me, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, the sixth chapter of Mark, when you get th- once you get there, just take it, put your finger in there and close your Bible. You know what we're going to do, right? I'm going to do that Bible thing, okay? Give people a little bit of time to get into uh, that passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 6. We'll be picking up in verse 1. We won't be going far. We're just covering six verses in there this morning. But I believe that the Lord has given me a word uh, specifically that will fit specifically to your life and to each one of our lives. So let's lift our Bibles up and say this with me. Maybe you have your phone. Maybe you have a tablet with you. You can lift that up too. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am, and I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, for my direction, and my soon-coming resurrection. O oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We welcome you this morning. Delighted to have you here. And I want you to know it's a humongous honor for me to be able to teach and preach and bring the Word of God to you. And I truly believe that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe it's powerful. I believe the Word of God can get between your spirit and your soul. I believe the Word of God can get between your bone and your marrow. I believe that while the Word of God is being preached, you can be set free from things. You can be healed from things. I believe that you can find revelation as the Word of God is being preached. I believe the Word of God, when it's preached correctly, manifests the goodness of God. And so that's what we're hoping for this morning. So I'm going to read our text to you this morning out of the first 6 verses of Mark. And it reads as such, then he went, speaking to Jesus, then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this and which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are They are not his sisters here with us, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, And his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And they, excuse me, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went out to the villages in a circuit teaching. Father, I pray that your word would come forth this morning, that it would make sense, that it wouldn't just sound good, but it would leave a sound in us to find the goodness of what you have for us. I pray that you would anoint my lips, anoint our ears. Lord, we open our hearts to receive what comes from heaven for us today. Give this as part of our daily bread, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It's a very interesting story. It's a short story, but there's a lot to it. It captivated me. It, It drew my attention a few days ago, and I can't really get my mind off of it prayed over and prayed over and felt like this is what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. So we see a picture. It's about Jesus. He's coming out of a situation, and he's moving back towards his own country. A country is a place of of birthplace, a place where somebody has been birthed. It's It's a place of citizenship. It's a place of residence, and it can be referred to in those things. I know when I was born, I was born in Rochester, Minnesota, and then we spent about nine months in New Orleans, and then eventually we ended up down in Naples, Florida. If somebody asked me, where are you from? You know, where's your country? Where did you you spend the most of your life? I would say Naples, Florida. That's where I spent the most of my life down there. I don't remember a whole lot other than pictures I've seen from New Orleans. Have a great heart for New Orleans. I don't remember a whole lot about Minnesota. Have great memories from stories that I've heard and pictures that I've seen. But I'm really from Naples, Florida. It was in Naples, Florida that I was really formed and in fashion and developed who I was. And that wasn't a good thing. Thank God that he was able to get me out of that miry pit and, and set me free from all the things that I got involved in down there. But that's really where I'm from. I knew more people there than I knew in Minnesota than I ever thought I'd know in New Orleans. And so think of the life of Jesus. He's coming back to his country, so where is he coming to? Where is he actually coming to? He was born in Bethlehem. Uh, He grew up and spent a little bit of time before he grew up in in Egypt because when he was in Bethlehem, they had to go there to get taxed because that's where Joseph was from and they get taxed there, and there's a census going on, and, and then finds out that Herod wants to kill everybody two years old and younger, and so where do they go? They fled to Egypt for a little while, and then they found out it was safe, and they moved back to Nazareth because the Bible says he was from Nazareth. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth, and that's where he grew up. That's where he had his life. So the reality is he's, he's in Nazareth, and he's in the place and the time of his life where a lot of people knew him and knew his family. They knew about him, and so he's in that, that area. There's probably not another city in, in the United States that I know the roads as well as I know them in Naples, Florida. Jesus knew Nazareth. Nazareth knew Jesus. Uh, there was a knowledge of him, and he had a knowledge of that area. So when he speaks of that area, he, he knows what he's talking about. But when they speak about him, they know who they're talking about. I would ask you this morning, who do you know? I would ask you this morning, do you know the I was or the I am? Because they knew who they were talking about. So they followed him, the disciples followed him. He went out and came into that country, the country place of birth, of residence, of citizenship. But he's in the place where he grew up in verse 2. And when the Sabbath had come, and when the Sabbath had come, the key word here is when. When is at what time? When is at or during which time? You see, what's getting ready to happen in the story is when the Sabbath came. He came home and everybody was fine with him. He's just another average Jesus. He's just the boy that they knew. When he came home, everything was fine, but they didn't have problems until it was Sabbath day. They didn't have problems until it was Sunday. They didn't have problems until it was preaching time. They didn't have problems until it was teaching time. They didn't have problems until people started getting healed. They didn't have problems until somebody started prophesying. They didn't have problems until the day of religion showed up that's when it got in the way. And Listen, there's a pure religion. I'm not against religion. There's a pure religion, and this is what it is. It's something that you don't see much of. It's three things. It's taking care of the orphans, it's visiting widows, and it's keeping oneself unspotted from the world. That's pure religion. So when we talk about religion, we're not talking about that because that's good stuff. We're talking about the man-made religion. There were 700, 400 to 700 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And during that period of time, the Jews made all their little sects that they have, S-E-C-T-S. And they made all their little religions and they made all their little prayer patterns and they made all their little things of how they met with God. God wasn't even talking to them. Who would want a prayer life that doesn't have a God who talks? Who would want to have a prayer life that doesn't manifest his presence? Who would want to have a prayer life that doesn't give you an open heaven? And they're holding on to it. And they're holding on to it. This is what I was taught. This is how I do it. This is it was all labor, labor of human effort. And so Jesus shows up and he rocks the boat. Jesus shows up and he's not afraid of a rocking boat. He can sleep in a storm, friends. Jesus shows up and, and, and he starts to manifest the God of who is, coming out of the God who was. But they're bound on the God who was. They're bound on the person who was. They don't know who is. So as they show up in this situation, they had a problem with Jesus. It was at that time, it was during that moment. They didn't have a problem. With the carpenter boy they didn't have a problem until he came home not until he came home not until he began to speak and to minister that's a problem most of our problems in christianity matter of fact i wish i would have done this i don't think these kind of things until i'm preaching but i would love to take you on a journey with me and show you how many problems we have on a sunday morning people that disagree with one another but are all in church People who disagree with the gifts of the Spirit. People who disagree with resurrection. People who disagree, there's problems. You see, we have a tendency. We've built a concept in the church today is that we add Jesus to our life, but we don't subtract sin. Don't mess with my sin, mister. Don't get up in my business. We have a tendency to preach to accept lifestyles of people and to preach and allow them to be that way, and then we start to twist the word so that it doesn't offend the people. Sin's a problem. Matter of fact, we should talk about it every single day because every single day you have the opportunity. But every day that we go without mentioning sin, without recognizing sin, and not just the sins of of actions, of doing, of flesh, but the sins of the soul, the anger, the hatred, the jealousy. Uh, the, the, the sins of the pride, yeah. spiritual conflict with one another. Uh, that's, not, that's not acceptable to God. It's not right. He came to restore, came to redeem, and he came to reconcile. So they didn't have a problem until they came home, and not until he began to teach and to speak on spiritual matters. And many hearing him were astonished. So Jesus shows up at the church, and he starts to teach. Matter of fact, Ravenhill said it this way. He said, if, if Jesus preached what preachers preach today, he would have never been crucified. I'm going to say that again. I don't know who you listen to other than me. I know you listen. But if they're preaching a message that is watered down, they're preaching a message that doesn't deal with sin, they're preaching a message that doesn't, doesn't charge you to, to grow and to mature and to advance. If you're preaching a message that doesn't, doesn't uh, mention the devil and hell and, and all the horrific things that go on there and how you need to be spiritually mindset, that you need to be powerful in the things of the kingdom. If Jesus preached what they preached, he would never have been crucified. So there ought to be a cross in the message. Jesus is coming home. And he doesn't give in to the familiar. He comes home, and he stays with the kingdom. Are you with me? And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? I mean, where did he get these messages? Where did he get this stuff? It goes on and says, and what wisdom is this which was given to him? They're saying he's got wisdom. given. Wisdom's a good thing, friends. They're amazed. They're astonished. They're, they're 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 awestruck at what Jesus was saying and doing, and, and and the performance of what comes out of His hands. In other words, a few people were being healed. It was huge to them. It was big to them. Astonished means amazed, awestruck, shocked, surprised. I remember, I can remember when, when Spencer, when James, when Stuart, when Nate, when Luke, I remember uh, Joel. I remember a lot of these that have gone through the, through the discipleship schools. And, and also I'm like, where, where, when they would first start speaking, when James wrote his book, when Spencer preached his first few messages, I'm like, where, where'd they get this stuff? And I'm looking through and I'm thinking, where, where and I even asked Spencer, I asked him after about three sermons as a chapel sermon that he had shared in chapel, which is coming up again soon. You don't want to miss it. But I got with him and, and, and I, I sat down and said, Spencer, I need to ask you something, son. I said, where did you get the message? I'm thinking he's listening to some other preacher and some other guy online there. And he looked at me just startled. he's like, well, from, from prayer and from the Bible and, and from God, it was that good. It was that good. I read James' book. I'm like, where do you get this stuff at this age? I didn't have that stuff at this age. It's not a bad thing to be astonished. Matter of fact, throughout Jesus' ministry, people were astonished. It all depends on how they responded to it. That determined what it meant to them. So they're amazed at him. What wisdom, what work of hands. This stuff is amazing. Throughout Scripture, people are amazed at Jesus. Verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? This is what they see. Isn't this the carpenter boy? Isn't this the little boy that, that, that helped put up the fence? Isn't this the guy that, that helped build the table that we have? In, isn't this the guy that, that framed the walls? Isn't this That's the carpenter guy. The son of Mary. Why would they say son of Mary? Why not the son of Joseph? Joseph wasn't from Nazareth. Joseph from Bethlehem. They knew Mary. They knew her in high school. They knew her in preschool. They knew her at the co-op. She grew up there. Yeah. And so there's an association. Uh, that they—they they, they, this, is, this is Mary. We know Mary, and that's Mary's boy. He's a little carpenter. They, they, yeah, they went away for a little while. We don't know. I mean, they went away, and she got pregnant. They, they're not sure. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. They have no clue. Nobody's been preaching the message like you and I know it. But isn't it amazing how much we know about the Bible story? You knew he was born in Bethlehem. Yeah. You knew that Mary was a virgin. Uh, you, you knew that, that Joseph and Mary, and Joseph was a carpenter, Jesus the son of a carpenter. You know this stuff. Yeah. We know what was, but do we know what is? They knew him as the carpenter. They knew him as a son of Mary. Oh, he's a brother of James, uh, of Joseph's, and, and Judas, and Simon. Uh, yeah, we, we know his brothers, and uh, yeah, that one played tackling, and, and that one didn't play ball, but man, that one could, he could do this. And do, they, they knew this family. They knew these people. Yeah. They knew who Jesus was. They knew what family he belonged to. They called him by name. He said, as a matter of fact, aren't his sisters here with us right now? Yeah. His sisters go to church here. Yeah. I think about a time that Jesus was teaching and it was crowded in there. And some people came to the door and said, uh, hey, Jesus, yeah. uh, your, your brothers and your sister and your mom, they're outside and they, they would like to talk to you right now. And, and he said, he looked around and he, he said, who are my brothers and my sisters? Listen to this, but they who do the will of God. That's what Jesus said. You can have all the church you want. You can have all the salvations you want. You can have all the prayers you want, but are you doing the will of God? And I'm not talking about geographically. I'm not talking about, you know, your, your lifeline. I'm talking about, are you living according to the pleasure of God's design for your life? He said, that's my brothers and sisters. Sometimes we know things in the natural, but we don't know things in the spiritual. Sometimes we know who he was, but we don't know who he is. So they they said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Josias, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So remember, they're amazed. They're astounded. I mean, the wisdom, the message, the healings, the brothers, the sisters, the carpenter. And then they say this, most baffling scripture that I know of right now in scripture. So they were offended. What? Did you hear what he just said? Man, this guy's got wisdom. This guy's healing people. Uh, this guy's messages are amazing. Uh, this is stuff that's been given to him. We know his mom. Have you ever ever known somebody? It's like, it's, it's like this, okay, just, just as an example. The group Kane, have you ever heard of them? Gretchen and I know their parents. So what? We don't know Kane. We know Charlie Kane, but we don't know the band Kane, okay? But so often you'll meet people and say, Oh, I know so and so, who is so and so's friend. Yeah, exactly. And we think that's close enough. We think that, that we really make something out of the story, right? You get what I'm saying? Everybody's like, I'm not even giving into that because I'm so proud that I know somebody to knows somebody. It's okay. I'm not trying to get in your business. But the reality is, I had it the other day. I met some guy and, and we're together and we're talking and, 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 and I said, Oh, do you know so and so? And he goes, I know who he is, but I don't know him. I said, Well, I do. I know so and so. It didn't change anything, change nothing whatsoever. So often we're satisfied with just knowing about, but not knowing what is. So all these good things, and because of these good things in this life, they're offended with him. Okay, we got a problem now. Mm-hmm. We got a problem. What does it mean to be offended? Uh, to understand that means to be caused to be uh, to dislike, or caused to anger or vexation. I was thinking this morning when I was going through this and, and preparing and praying back over the things, I feel like the Lord had been speaking to me. And, and all of a sudden these, I don't know if it was the enemy, I don't know if it was God, I'm not really sure where it was. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with it. But I saw people get up and walk out. And through the years, through the years of my preaching and my teaching, I've had people get up and walk out just because of what I said. Maybe how I said it or maybe when I said it. I've had people that would sit for months, for years, and listen to something, then all of a sudden, that's enough, they got offended. Yeah. See, so we got a problem. We got a problem. We get offended in church. But it's not me you're offended with. It's not me that's being rejected. This is what God told Samuel. He said, it's not you that are rejecting, Sam. It's me. Yeah. You see, we have a God problem. Yeah, we have a God problem. Because we think we know Jesus, like one of the boys... We know his sisters. Uh, we kind of we did youth group with them. We did all these things with them. But when the word comes, when the truth comes, when the power comes, when the glory comes, we got a problem. We got a God' problem. Where to get that wisdom, God? Where to get that power, God? Where to get that anointing, God? He is representing God. He, he's not there repping us. I know so and so, so I get tickets. He's here to represent God, so that we can know God, and God can get us. Does that make sense? So they're offended at him. I mean, is that not a little baffling to you that everything's good, everything he's doing? He's just teaching, he's preaching, and then they're offended at him? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? They knew whom they, who he had come from, but they didn't know what he came for. Did you hear me? They knew what he came from, but they knew what he came for. What am I trying to say to you and I? Could this be a problem? could be a problem we know all about jesus in the story and we could even tell people the story about jesus as miraculous it is and sometimes it doesn't even move us anymore have you ever stopped again and thought a virgin birth it's become too familiar and we've wrapped it with other stuff presents and trees and and decorations i'm not against any of that stuff until it takes away the stuff that ought to be stuffed inside of us Jesus. But we get so familiar with it, but we have no idea what he wants to do now. Now, that's my job, is to be in this church service and to try to discern where does the service go, where does it not go, what does he want to do, what's happening in worship right now. And in worship, he's saying, if you would put your praise on, if you dance your feet, your breakthrough may come forth. When it comes time for me to break some, and I've got to, let me see your hands there, DJ, if you don't mind, do this little thing here, if you don't mind. I mean, I've got a karate shop like nobody's. I mean, it, he didn't even feel it. It went right through there. But when it comes to breaking big things, i got to kick them. Sometimes your dance is what's going to break down the wall that's in front of you. But your praise and the measure of your praise is connected to your faith. Are you with me? So, we have to be aware of what is, not just what was. He's a God who was, but many people fail to believe and to understand he's a God who is. So if he opened that Red Sea for Moses, he can open up a door for you. Amen? I hope somebody gets this. They knew who he was, but they did not know who he is. They knew him, where he'd come from, but they did not know what he'd come to. Matthew 16, very interesting interaction here. with The disciples or with Jesus. And in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, comma, the son of man, comma, am? In other words, what he's saying is, who do people say that I am? But he threw in this little phrase in there, son of man. Because he is the son of man. He is the brother of four. He is the brother of sisters. He is the son of Mary. He was a carpenter. That's the son of man. That's the son of man. The whole idea of him being in a, in, in a, in a natural setting is to realize that the supernatural can live in you like it lived in him. It's not all about just getting out of here. Some glad morning, I'll fly away. It's not about that, just going to heaven. It's about having thy kingdom come and thy will be done here in earth as it is in heaven. What was happening, God was visiting the earth and the people were rejecting him. They accepted the natural, but they were rejecting the supernatural. They were resisting it. You don't want to be of those who resist the supernatural of God. You don't want to be those who just have a historical Jesus and, and a, and a promise-fulfilling Jesus. You want a now Jesus, and then you'll have now things happening in your life. When Jesus came to this region, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You've heard this before if you've been here long enough. The Son of God became a son of man so that sons of men can become sons of God, amen? Now, I know there's still this whole gender uh, wrestling and, and, and wars going on there, so here you go, ladies. I know you're saying, I don't know how I could be a son. Well, listen, if I gotta be the bride, you can be a son, all right? All right, and I'm good with that. I am the bride of Christ. It's a spiritual thing. But see, we still wrestle with the natural. I don't think I'm a man. I want to be a woman. We're wrestling with the natural. Only transfiguration that comes from heaven can transform somebody to who they really need to be. He will be the only one that can solve and fulfill you of all of your disappointments, of all of your worries, of all of your fretting, of all of your, your shame, all of your difficulties, whatever it may be. Only Jesus. Somebody look at somebody and say, only Jesus. And he came. And he still comes. So they said, some say John the Baptist. I mean, seriously, his head was cut off. And not only was his head cut off, he was dead. And not only was he dead, his head was cut off. So Jesus comes back, living is one thing, that's supernatural faith. And he has a head. It's amazing where we displace our faith. It's amazing what we believe, the things we fear that we believe in, and we won't use the faith to believe in the things that we hope for. There's a problem. God's not doing it our way. We want him to do it in the natural instead of in the spiritual. So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah. The guy's been gone like thousands thousand some years and just shows back up. Some say, you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, same thing, or, or just one of the prophets. You know, they're getting a little bit closer. That They're actually getting closer to who he is because he is one of the prophets. He's gonna, he's gonna point that out in just a few moments. But he said to them, kind of going back to the, to the time of, of, of communion here, he's talking to you this morning. You may not like the way I present it, that's okay. They didn't like the way he came. It doesn't matter. I mean, I just, I can't imagine, you know, some guy showing up at church with, with camel hair on and a, and a leather belt and he's got honey stuck in the, in the crest of his lip there and there's a, there's a little bit of locust on his collar there, you know, that's just kind of crumb that came off him. Of it doesn't matter. I want God. However God chooses to appear, I want God. I want to hear from God. I want a church who hears from God, who believes God and obeys God. You don't want to shove God out of your life. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So that's what it all boils down to. Who is he? It's not as much as who was he, but who is he? There's record of who he was, but you need record of who he is. He said, who do you say? I'm asking you. Simon Peter answered and said, you know, you kind of, you if you know the Bible, you kind of you brace a little bit. Like, even though you've read it a hundred times, you're like, what's Peter going to say this time, right? You just kind of go, oh, my goodness. And, and, and Peter finally answers right. You are the Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the revelation of God. So I say when you're rejecting Jesus, you're not rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting God. It's not a Jesus problem we have. It's a God problem we have. Because we've packaged our Jesus and we've worked Jesus out and we know who Jesus we have and what Jesus we want and we put him in this thing and we put him in this box. But now Jesus comes and he deals with these guys and he lets God out of the box that they put him in. Is there the possibility you might still have God in a box? God might have done that before, but I don't believe he does that anymore. You put God in a box. Put God in a box. God did it for me once. I don't know if he'll do it for me twice. I don't know if God loves me anymore. There is no way God cannot love you. God is love. Right. There is no way God cannot love you. God is love. I'm going to say that again until you get it. There is no way God cannot love you. God is love. Right. He is love. Right. He's faithful. Jesus said, that's good. You've got it. It's been revealed to you by my fathers in heaven. And I also say to you, so, so the way to know Jesus is not through priests, it's not through pastors, it's through God the Father. And the only way to know God the Father is through Jesus. So we can't leave God out of the picture and we can't keep Jesus out of the picture. If we take both of them out, all we have left is us. That ain't gonna work. As good as a Christian as you or I am, we've let people down. And people have let us down. But as faithful as they are, and as unfaithful as we become, we need them. Are you with me? He said, I also say to you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. The revelation of God initiates the development of the church. Yes, he sparked it with a flame, but Peter preached the message. Here's somebody who had, who had denied, denied knowing Jesus. Denied knowing the supernatural Jesus. Denied knowing even the natural Jesus. He's rejected him, has an issue. He goes out, and then eventually he preaches the very first message of the church. What might he still have for you and I? And I also say to you, you're Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades, hell, shall not prevail against it. Man, I I love the concept of that that if we have a church of revelation of who he is, not a church who denies who he is and only accepts who he was, but if we have a church who has revelation of who he is, that he is Jesus, Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the Son of the living God. He's the Christ, the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the fulfillment of all prophecies. This is not just in this book, but in your life. Every prophecy spoken over you, if you don't put Jesus in your life, it will not come to pass. I told you earlier, you can fill your life with many things, but only one can fulfill your life, and that's Jesus. But if we have that out there, and we are the church, not that we go to the church, we are the church, the gates of hell can't prevail against that kind of church. That's how important it is to have revelation of who he is, not just knowledge of who he was. You need to know who he is because as soon as you let that guard down, you're, you're open, you're open uh, uh, field hunt. You're, you're open prey to the enemy. Open range is maybe what you say. He said, I'll give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you bind on earth, we'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth, we loosen them. Let me ask you a question. I ask us this question. When was the last time you bound and lose something? I didn't say lose something. I said lose something. It's probably the time before you did lose the keys because you forgot to use the keys. If you don't use it, oh, you say, well, that's why i hanging on the thing. I could not tell you how many times I've gone to a key hanger thing. I'm going, why did I put that there? What did that go to? right? And it says Chevy on it. And I'm like, well, I must go to the truck. So I walk out. I drive a Ford. And we try to... We, we don't even know what it was, but we just know it's a key. But we don't know what it is. Because somewhere it didn't become important to us anymore. And this is what happens with the kingdom, my friends. You come to church and put your dance on, put your shout on and everything. You hang out with Christians that you like and Christians that like you. And you guys do your stuff. And then all of a sudden, that's not important anymore. And you start losing the is, and you're only holding on to the was, and you don't have any authority. You don't, I said you don't have any authority. When you go to pray, nothing's shaking, nothing's breaking. You go to praise, nothing's coming out. You get what I'm saying? We lose more than we ever remembered that we had because we don't use it. All right, so listen to this. He says, who do men say that the Son of Man am? But who do you say I am? That brought me quickly to the seven I am. No, don't worry. Don't worry. I I can read your mind. I'm not going to preach all seven of them today, okay? But the reality is Jesus made seven statements I am. If you don't know the I am, you don't know who is. I'm not talking about the I was. Jesus didn't talk much about his I was. He talked about his I am. The seven I am statements of Jesus are all found in the book of John. John had a very intimate, listen to me, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. He did not have a religious, he did not have a traditional, customary relationship with Jesus. He had an intimate relationship with Jesus. While he's on the Isle of Patmos, he is deeper in the presence of God than they were even at the gates beautiful when he's going in there to pray. You need a relationship with Jesus. Jesus whether hell or high water, whether doom or gloom, whether hardship or great blessings in your life, that you know who he is in your life. John said this in John chapter 6, verse 35. He said, Jesus, spoke of Jesus, excuse me. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, if anybody's hungry, they can come and eat for me. Listen, he's manifesting what is happening here. Jesus is manifesting to them, saying, as the one who fed your fathers in the wilderness, I am now here in your wildness. I am the bread. I am the portion of heaven. I am what sustains you. I am what gives you life. You cannot live but without me. So he says, I'm the bread. It's provision." In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness. This is revelation, friends. He's gone from being fed. He's gone from from, from provisional. This is who I am. I'm the manna from heaven. I'm the answer from heaven. I'm here in your dry spot. I'm here in your hungry spot. I'm here in your lonely spot. I'm right here. This is who I am, and I have revelation. Because listen to me, you can't just add Jesus and not subtract yourself from something. He said, that light will manifest, but it'll also expose, this has got to go. You can't think this way anymore. You can't act this way anymore. You can't uh, uh, indulge this way anymore. Whatever it is, you can't do it. You just can't do it and think you still have me. He said, I bring revelation. I open your eyes. Without revelation, you have no vision. He said, listen to me. This is how you know whether you know whether he is. Does he nourish you? Uh, 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 Help me, Jesus. Do you know that I love you? Okay. Okay. If you're not reading the Word, you're not eating the bread. You might be drinking the Kool-Aid, but you ain't eating the bread. If you're not eating the bread, something in you is dying. But if you're eating the Word of God, something in you is starting to live. You need to feed the spiritual as much, yea, more than the natural. And I know most of you eat at least four times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and at least one time in between, right? So there he is saying, I'm the provision. And then he goes on and says, I'm the light. If you're still walking in darkness, you don't know him as the light. He, he said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me does not walk in darkness. Okay, I'll give you a picture. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And then you open up the door, and I'll just go to the far extreme, to a triple X, quadruple X movie theater, I would never do that. Uh, if, if if you're already going to the R, you're closer to that than you are where he is. You say, "Well, well, well, wait a minute. Listen, out of your mouth should not come blessings and curses. You can't come in here and shock a lock of Jesus and hope a lope of Jesus, and then all of a sudden out there and cursing your friends and just using curse words. And you're saying, "Well, I'm not using them, but but if you're listening to them, they're they're damaging the way you think." I'm getting moved. That's all right. He said, "The one who follows me doesn't walk in darkness." You said, "Well, preacher, you went to Mardi Gras in the light." I went and sat in a bar the other night with one of my sons. Why'd you do that? Because that's where they seated us. And that's the only place there's people. Only place there's serving. And guess what we did? We witnessed to the waitress. Witnessed to the waitress. I wasn't sitting in darkness. I was sitting in the light. I walk in the light, not in darkness. I have fellowship with him. You can go in dark places, but not walk in darkness. John chapter 10, Jesus said this. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He's the access to the Father. He is your only way to heaven, friends. There is, listen to me, there is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. There's no way to the father but through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, Jesus said this. it says I am the good shepherd. Why do you have to say good shepherd? Because there are wolves and sheep shepherds, sheep clothing. Because there are people out there teaching you man-made theology and catering to our philosophies. He said I am the good shepherd, access to the father. good shepherd, he's a leader and a protector. And then he goes on and he said this. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. 25. Remember Mary and Martha, the sisters of, of Lazarus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's just stop there for a second. That means overcomer. He, he wasn't talking about uh, some glad morning. He was literally talking about a man dead who was going to live longer here on earth. So what was killing Lazarus, now Lazarus is killing it. No, you need to get this. If you want to know him as the is, he can be to you resurrection power. What is killing you, you can start killing it. What had overcome you, you can now overcome it. Why? Because you know who he is, not just who he was. Because a lot of people try to be who he was, but all they need to do is be who he is. Resurrection power. Living in victory, triumph. Come on, somebody. This is who he is. I'm preaching Jesus to you right now. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so in other words, he's saying, okay, yeah, you've got all this stuff, but you got to stay with all this stuff. Jesus didn't say, I was a one-time salvation in your life. Jesus said, it's a lifestyle. It's a destination that we're walking out. I can't help that. That's what Jesus said. He said, now that you have this, this is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way. He said, and this is the truth. In other words, when he's saying, I got news for you, the gospel that save you ain't going to change. It stays the same. I've met too many people who met Jesus this way and then turned them into this way, and it's not the right way. The truth is the truth. It does not change, nor does it lie. In John 15, his seventh saying was, I am the true vine. In other words, he's saying, uh, uh, and you're my branches. He said, you're, you're grafted in. Even though you're not a Jew, I chose you. I I went beyond and I reached the Gentile and I plugged you in. And not only are you grafted in, but here's the thing about a vine. It's meant to grow. It's meant to take root. And as Christians, if we know him, who he is, we should have the desire to grow in Christ and to be rooted in Christ and to produce for Christ. I thought it was so awesome that the youth, the DMC, more fruitful, being fruitful. You and I ought to be fruitful. We ought to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We ought to be bearing the fruit of the harvest. We ought to be bearing the fruit of peacefulness. That's who we're supposed to be. That's the is Jesus. I could not tell you how many people I've talked to. No, no, no. This is an interesting thing. That I've gone to evangelize to, I've gone to minister to. I see, I see an, an, an evident indicator that they're not walking with Jesus. Have you ever met those people? Yeah. Ever met those people? There are people like that that came into my life. They're like, it's obvious, son. You, you might go to this church or that church, but th- you're not with Jesus. And I've met so many people in that situation. I go to minister to them, and this is what they'll say to me I was saved. Was his past tense? I don't care where you use it. I don't care. He doesn't change, but we do. We have a tendency to cleanse the temple and then fail to keep it clean. Sin has a tendency to creep back in. Just because you won a battle and the enemy fled doesn't mean you can put your guard down. Because he's going to come back. And and even the demonic says if you don't, if you clean the house, but you don't fill it with the right things, it will come back seven times worse. Seven times worse. I was saved. I was in church. Well, oh, I go to church. Where do you go? Um, man, then they start to shake. Uh, What's the pastor's name? Uh, uh. I was in the Walmart, and I'll give this one a little bit of credit because it was up in uh, 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 Kimball. This is years ago. I was in the Walmart, and I was checking out and had to get something before we were going somewhere on vacation, and, and I started to, to just present the goodness of Jesus to, uh, to the young girl working on the other side because it was pretty obvious, the markings on her life, pretty obvious the things that she was wearing and the way that she was talking. It's pretty obvious that there was more evidence of the flesh than there was of the light or of Christ. And I started. She said, "Oh, I go to church." I said, "Really?" And This is back when we we're in the Rock. I said, "I said, oh, okay, where where you go?" She goes, "I go to the Rock in Scottsboro." Says the preacher any good? Oh, the best you've ever the best you've ever seen or heard. I said, "Now you're talking truth." No, she didn't say that. I just want to get you to laugh. I want you to respond a little bit. I said, "Really?" I said, "I pastor that church." <laughs> ching, ching out the door next you can't live a fulfilled life just living off the past I said you can't live a fulfilled life just living off the past I think the past can build into the future I'm not denying negating the past and how important it was for you to ask Jesus Christ in your life but he said I'm the vine vines grow vines get rooted vines produce but notice this about a vine a vine goes places others ones don't go it finds a route that was made for them people may know who he was but if they don't know him for who he is there is no promise they will know him when he comes we must know him as the i am not as the i was i am the resurrection the overcomer. Notice they didn't mind Jesus the carpenter, but they had a problem with Jesus the Christ. I'm going to back up on that one. Some people don't mind talking about carpentry until you talk about Christ. Some people don't mind talking about this, that, or the other thing, whatever it may be, until you talk about Christ. They didn't mind Jesus the carpenter. They were fine with that. Didn't, that. didn't that the carpenter guy? But when he became the Christ, manifested to them, they had a problem. They didn't have a Jesus problem, they had a God problem. The problem isn't with man, it's a problem with the man of God. They didn't have a problem with Jesus, the boy, the brother, as a man. Oh, he's just one of the prophets. He's alive. I mean, they're like, man. I would love, I would love somebody go, I think that guy's Elijah. I mean, that would just be like phenomenal. I mean, I just cannot imagine, you know, somebody says, who, who do they say that I am? Greg, they think you're John the Baptist. Ching, ching. I'd be like, yeah, you know, Greg, they think you're one of the prophets. Okay. It wasn't good enough for Jesus. It shouldn't be good enough for us. It's the Christ. Listen to me. And it's the Christ that makes us Christians. Not a knowledge of who Jesus was. And and we're a a Christian just because we go to a church that teaches about Jesus. I love churches that teach about Jesus. That's good. It's our perspective. We can't just say, because I know about Jesus, that's enough. It's the Christ. It's the anointing. You see, the anointing, listen to me, the anointing breaks yokes. And if you're still struggling with with addictions, you're still struggling with with, uh, manipulations, you're still struggling with uh, uh, immorality, you're still struggling with lying, whatever it may be, there's an evidence of the absence of the anointing that breaks the yoke. He is able to do it today. It's not just what he did on the cross. He's able to do it today. And you say, well, I can't do it on my own. He said, that's all I needed to hear. I'll give you a helper named the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you in the truth. He will guide you. He will give you wisdom and knowledge. He will help you through this thing. All right, we'll wrap this up. Jesus said to them, Back in the story of Mark, you have a little problem with them. They're offended at Jesus. Sometimes it's not good to talk to people who are offended with you. But Jesus cared about them. If you don't care about them, don't talk to them. But if you care about them, talk to them. Jesus said to them, a prophet. Notice what he just said there, a prophet. He he identified himself as a prophet. He's just one of them. And the truth is, he is one of them because he's one of them that God sent. He sent prophets. He sent queens. He sent judges. He sent fathers. I mean, he sent all these people and all these things. And then they sent him and and they, they did him. Remember, the, the, the labor in the vineyard field, uh, they had beaten all those people up, and then they, they took yeah. him, and the son of the, of the one who owns the vineyard, they sent him, and, and they killed him. It's the cross. It's exactly what they did. So Jesus said to them, he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Whenever a prophet goes somewhere uh, outside of what is his natural inhabitant, or his residential area, or his culture, he goes out to another church, he's received, he gets honor, gets honor. I remember for years when I was traveling extensively, I would go places, and, and they'd make sure that the, the room was right, they'd make sure that the plane ticket was right, they'd, whatever time I want to be picked up, what would you like to eat, and all these different things, and, and, and they had nothing but a, a great expectation for me to minister that night, but during the day, they, they just wanted to make everything, but then when you come over, and the people that you're with in a church. Boy, I'm getting vulnerable here. This is not in the notes. Okay. And you come over into the church. They don't respect you. They don't respect you. Those who get familiar with you that just know you for what you're supposed to be, not for who you are. They don't mind what time they call you. They don't mind what's on your schedule. They're not concerned about any of that kind of stuff. You see, there's a lack of honor. There's a lack of honor. And Jesus is saying, that's not not, not on a soapbox. I'm happy here. I'm content here. I love each and every one of you. But Jesus, I'm trying to give you an illustration of what Jesus is saying. He said, out there, they're all accepting me. But right here, you guys are having a problem with me. Why? Because of your familiarity. Because of your knowledge is getting in the way of my wisdom. Your belief is getting in the way of the faith I can raise inside of you. Sometimes we get way too familiar and we miss what he's doing. He said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. They could talk about the carpentry and the ancestry, but not about the miraculous. Oh, remember, he's a carpenter. He's her her son. He's there, So they could talk about Ancestry.com and they could talk about the carpentry, but they couldn't talk about the miraculous. It's amazing to me amazing to me. My goodness, help me, Jesus. This is real. You stand in here, preach. You get in the altars, you prophesy. You go sit in the office, you're just another person. What am I saying? They don't believe any of that counsel is prophetic. They don't believe any of that's anointed because all they're looking for is somebody to say to them what they want to believe. They've come too familiar with it. You're just another chum. You're just another gal. You're just another person. You have friends like that. Man, you know, you're praying with them and all and then you sit down and you call them up and you, sir, you're like, mm, can't call someone else. Too familiar. Don't let familiarity rob you of clarity of who he is. Don't reject the prophetic in your life. Don't reject the voice of God in your life. What Jesus is saying, guys, you don't understand what you're doing. You're rejecting God's provision in your life. Don't reject that. Be open to it. Don't close your ears off to what God said. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, you guys are cutting off your spiritual lifeline. And so often we do that. We just go to church and endure it until it gets over, but we don't go back and refresh. What, what was God saying to me? What was the spirit of God saying to me? What was it that, that I was hearing? Why did, that, why did that make me feel uncomfortable when I heard that? Why was there conviction in the midst of it? Why did that make me excited again, but now I feel depressed again? Don't push that out. Verse five. Pastor Joel, you can join me if you would, please. This really concerns me for all of mankind, for our fellowship, for my life, for your life. Verse 5 says, now he could do no mighty work there. He couldn't do anything big there. He couldn't do anything great there. That word mighty there uh, works out to the, the aspect of humongous, big stuff, bizarre stuff. He could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So what it really says to me that it's so pitiful that people are missing the more that he could do, the much more that he could do in your life, in my life, in our life, in the life of the church, in the life of churches all around that are satisfied with the was Jesus and are missing and is Jesus. do a mighty work in your life he can do a miraculous work in your life he can not just help your faith but he can be faithful in your life if you're not rejecting him if you're not satisfied with the him that you knew if you're seeking to know the him that he is It is impossible, is it impossible, excuse me, is it possible that no big thing is happening in your life because you only know him for who he was and you don't know him for who he is? Is it possible? Nothing wrong with asking that question. It's not a condemning statement whatsoever. I ask that question to myself, to my own family. Listen, you need to understand, it's a little bit different. At times in our house, we do ministry all day long, and you get home, you don't feel like doing ministry. And you have children sitting there that need need prayer, that need encouragement, that need ed- edification, need the Bible read to them, need to read the Bible with them. I mean, it's, and you're like, I've been doing this all day long, ten hours a day. I'm preparing a message for Sunday. I've gotta I've gotta stay on top of these things. So we know what it's like to let Christianity get familiar. We know what it's like, and we have to fight against that all the time. I don't want a was God, I want to is God. The cool thing about the was God, if I'm seeking the is God, I know that I can feed on his faithfulness of who he was. I know he'll be faithful now because he doesn't change. Listen to me, friends, he doesn't change. If he did it before, he can do it again. I remember when when I I was blind for two weeks. I remember when he touched me. I remember what he did in my life, and it was bigger than just somebody laying hands on me. He changed my spirit and my eye came open again. He can do that in your life. Cause that's who he is. It's not what he was. Why you stand to your feet with me, please? In verse 6, as a believer and a follower, as a husband and a father, as a pastor, a disciple, verse 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now Jesus is astonished, guys. I'll give you a picture of, of Marvel. How many of y'all know the word Marvel because of comic books? Right? Some people are like, I'm not raising my hand on it. I'm not going to let the pastor know I know comic books. I'm not saying you read them today or you know. You know, How many of y'all have ever heard of the Marvel comic book? Yeah, right. And what were they? Superheroes, right? Transformer kind of people, things that could do things. So Jesus is like, whoa, this is off the chart. You guys, unbelief is amazing to me. That you could believe all that, that they could believe that I was one of the prophets Elijah, but then when it comes to me, you unbelief because you're looking at me in the natural and not in the spiritual. You believe who I was, but you don't believe who I am. I think there's a lot of people in here this morning that have believed and believed and believed, but you're so tired of believing, you're only holding on to who he was, and you're not believing who he can be. You know what that's called? Unbelief. Unbelief. He was marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He marveled at their unbelief. In Luke chapter 7, there's a centurion soldier who believed that Jesus could send his word and heal the one in his home. He said, I believe because I'm a man under authority just like you're a man under authority and you do what you say and they do what you say and then you do what he says and they do. He said, I I see that authority, how it works. And Jesus, I said to Jesus, said, Jesus turned around and he goes, uh, he said, I marvel at such great faith in this man. I've never seen anything like it in all of Israel. So in other words, the people of God who had gotten familiar with him, Jesus dealt with this his whole ministry who got familiar and thought they knew God because they knew a God who was but they don't realize the God who is he said they're in unbelief and the centurion is in belief we need to believe in a God who is not just a God who was who do you know do you know the God who is or do you know the God who was do you know the I am Or the I was. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, consider for a moment. Who do you know? So I ask this question. Do you know him? Do you know him? I ask you this question. Is there any need of repentance, of unbelief? That you believe stronger at one time than you do at this time. You believe more at one time than you do at this time. Have you doubted? Have you denied Him? Have you stopped following Him and obeying Him? Is there any need to repent of unbelief? I ask you this. Do you want to be a disciple or a Pharisee? What do you mean, preacher? Do you want to just know about him or do you want to know him and make him known? Is there a possibility you'd like to enlist today saying, I want to help make him known. I want to present the is Jesus. So now I'm gonna ask you this. Do you need to know Jesus? Would you like to know Jesus? as the as is Jesus is there anybody here this morning that would like to give their life to Jesus to know him as your savior, as your lord as your friend as your healer, as the one who can set you free, if that's you and just a moment I ask you to come to the altar is there anybody here this morning that you need to repent of any unbelief and doubt in your life disobedience in your life and you want to return your whole heart back to Christ if that's you and ask you to come to the altar. Come join us in the altar this morning. Is anybody here this morning? You're saying, I want to help. familiar. He's just another one. He's not the one. Thank you for that walk of obedience. Perhaps it required a little bit of humility. It's a big step to step out in a time like this. Big step. You're a great witness to others that still may need to make that step to come and say, I want to know him as the is Jesus, not just the was Jesus. I want to get out of the past and start living in the present with Jesus. It's a big step to say, hey, I've struggled with unbelief. I've wrestled with doubt, uncertainty. It's a big statement to say, I've gotten too familiar with my Jesus. Let me say it to you this way. When you read the Bible, does anything new come out of it? Or is it just the same story over and over and over again? If you're not getting revelation, you're building a relationship with the was Jesus when you could be building build a relationship with the is Jesus. I really feel the Lord, the Lord is touching on that. I feel like there's still somebody in the sanctuary this morning that has not made a move. But you're not getting anything fresh. You're not getting anything new out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not present saying I want to break that pattern I want to come out of the dry I want to come out of the barren I want to come into the fruitful I want to come into the river if that's you I would encourage you to come forward you want an is Jesus not just a was Jesus well wait just a second on that I truly believe that could be the situation in somebody's life thank you Jesus it could be others don't miss that some people are satisfied with the indoctrination that you have all that you need but yet he's not becoming all that you need you don't want a past tense Jesus you want him in the present I'm going to ask one last time on this does anybody want to help make him known? Praise them wherever you are. Witness wherever they are. Come on, I need your help in the church. I'm going to ask you if that's you. He said, just come forward. So you're trying to get everybody in the altar. That's right. As many as I can. Why? It's where things change. It's where commitments are made. It's where transformations take place. It's where sacrifices are presented. Oh, to make him known. Plead with you from the depths of my heart. Don't let Jesus become common in your life. I declare, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are my bread. You are my light. You are the path and my resurrection. You are my good shepherd, and I trust you, and I'll obey you. And Jesus, I believe that you're the true vine. In your name I pray, amen. Come on and give him praise. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we can tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus the word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord find great delight in you and may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you and may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.